The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Help! Our family's going to a big football game this weekend, and I want to get us on the Jumbotron in some fresh new styles. Sprint over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's giant thank you event is happening now. Get 30% off your purchase or 40% off when you use or open an Old Navy credit card at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. 40% off? Wow, that's a huge score. Better hurry. It ends Sunday. Time to huddle up and head to Old Navy. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 926 to 930. Excludes in-store clearance, register lane items, gift cards, jewelry, today only, and two-day only deals. 40% offer subject to credit approval. Well, let's start the insanity. <laughs> Giddy up. <laughs> Yeah, deluxe intro. It's the APC podcast. AcmePackingCompany.com, SB Nation, Packers Talk. All of the time, the NFL draft is over. It's over, baby. I am not Alex Batakis. Hashtag free Alex. The movement lives on. I'm Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Joined via electronic magic by Ben Foldy. Hey, Ben. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. It's Sunday. How was your... Uh... Or it's Monday, I guess, by the time this goes live. Uh, I'll get it up tonight. So, uh, I don't know, maybe someone in some other country, it'll still be... Uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Brian Gutekunst, his first crack uh, as the general manager in the war room, even though he's been in that room for, for 20, 20 some years, I kind of forget. Um, yeah. Uh, so well, He learned something, apparently. He like, picked up. He wasn't. He didn't seem like a rookie. That's definitely true. Making making some. Why don't we just get right into it? Making some some savvy moves. Initially trading out of the fourteenth pick, which was just one of those like, of course that's what happens. Uh, moments for me following the drafts, like every year, just like watch them watch them trade out, and I just kind of laugh to myself when it happens. But then trading back in um, to the eighteenth pick. What was your what was your impression as that was happening? I mean, that was like kind of peak me stuck on the train moment. So I got like some panicked uh, direct messages on Twitter and a text. Um, I, I think my friend's text just said, what the fuck, in all capital letters. And I was like, oh, they, they must have traded back. Like, I couldn't think of what it could possibly be. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't think they could possibly take a player that would make me re- people react like that unless maybe they took Leighton Vander Esch. And that would, and even then, I think people would would not freak out. Um, I might that might be my reaction if they yeah. took Vander Esch there, but um, 
Yeah, so I was just like, and then you know, I refreshed Twitter and saw that they traded back, and all these people. Be, I think I think the first thing I saw was Justice Mosqueda's tweet that Ted Thompson is alive in all of us, and I was like, okay, they traded back. That yeah, what happened. I mean, traded and, and then traded up in in all of that acquiring an additional first round pick, though. Talk about savvy. Yeah, I mean. Well, first off, you knew they weren't just like – I mean, even if they wouldn't have traded back up, turning a third-round pick into a first-round pick is a win. Um, to then trade back up – or I guess, I guess you know, they didn't turn that third-round pick into a first-round – I guess – yeah, wait, sorry. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. They, they, by the end of it all, they turned a third-round pick into a first-round pick. Yeah. If they hadn't traded back up, they'd still have that third – no matter what, moving back 14 spots for an extra first round is, I think, a win in almost any scenario. But to then, um, you know, only move back four spots, give up a third rounder, and pick up a first rounder next season. I mean, there's, if anybody is mad about that, and I know some corners of the internet are, um, they are wrong. Yeah. There's zero. There's zero times that you don't do that from an asset management perspective. Yeah. Um. And, you know, this time next year, I hope all those people are, like, regretting how apoplectic they've been. Oh, they never do. There's never, there's never, with that set, there's never that moment of self-reflection. But anyway, the result of it, of course, is uh, uh, getting a first-round cornerback, Jair Alexander, cornerback out of Louisville, uh, who some regarded as the top corner in the draft. Um, this was a big moment um because he's he's 5'10", he plays a little bit bigger, but a guy who does not meet Ted Thompson's traditional thresholds for the for the position, a guy that Ted Thompson just probably would never have drafted. And I, uh, I, I think he's 5'10 and a quarter. Okay. And I think the threshold is 5'10 and a half. Um, so, like, you know, I guess I think the last cornerback that the Packers took in a, with a draft pick that wasn't over the five ten and a half threshold was Ahmad Carroll, and everybody remembers how that ended. Yeah. Um. But you know, I'm also not going to say that a quarter inch is going to make or break a player. Um. And and I don't, especially when you also look at Denzel Ward being that close to the to the uh, to the threshold. Like I I don't I don't. If you were going to take Denzel Ward, I think you should be okay taking Jared Alexander. And I think that's probably the conclusion they came to. Um, I'll admit that I wasn't really looking at Alexander because I didn't think that he would meet the thresholds enough. Um, he's not a name I don't think was mentioned on any of our pre-draft shows. So, I, I mean, like, not not that he's a bad player. I just, I, like, was not looking at him as a potential Packers draft pick. Because, A, I thought he would go later than he did, and B, um, I... I, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't on the threshold list. Yeah. And, and Gutekunst also over the summer alluded to the fact that, you know, I, and I think maybe this, at this point we can say that was a little bit of a smoke screen, but he, you know, was quoted as saying things like, you know, we have a formula in green Bay. It's worked for some time. I think we're going to stick to that. Um, and then right off the bat, uh, not necessarily uh, shattering it as I kind of, uh, hyperbolically put it on Twitter, but, um, he did, you know, it's. Five five ten, I, I think, is not a guy that that Ted Thompson would would draft more times than not. But um, but he supposedly plays bigger. He's a plug and play guy. He will be a starter. Um, have you wa- you watched film on this guy? What do you think? Now I've watched film. Um, I I like what I see. Um, I don't see a lot. He's got you know, swagger, he's, man. Yeah, he's definitely a first round corner. 
Um, I think he can hold up in man, which I think is something they were looking for. And, and um, he can play in the slot probably. Um, he can, he's agile, you know, he's a, he's a monster athlete, uh, not afraid to step up in the run, which I think they've been looking for in cornerbacks, both in Demarius Randall and, um, uh, Kevin King. And also, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I guess I'm going to open it up because I don't think you can really talk about him without also talking about Josh Jackson, which I actually thought was a likelier candidate for the Packers at 14. To get both of those um, guys, I, I just keep getting hung up on this getting addition, an additional first-round pick <laughs> next yeah. year. But to come out with both of those guys, uh, one of which in the second round, and get an additional first next year is just – I feel that's some kind of strange wizardry. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I mean, Josh Jackson, I think, is, is more similar to um, the Kevin King pick last year and that, you know, big, toolsy – guy six one um, 190 more of the Packers prototypical threshold guy yeah boundary guy um played a lot of zone at Iowa and he was only a one-year starter so he's got a lot to learn but I also you know if I trust anybody to teach uh Joe Witt's probably the guy yeah but he he wasn't uh, he didn't play basketball he did not play <laughs> basketball he was not like a you know what? I, Quentin Rollins gets a bad rap but I I liked his rookie season and I don't I don't really know where he went wrong um, but you know, I mean, so to, to go from your cornerback room being, you know, an old and maybe broken Devon house, a very old Tremont Williams, uh, and whoever else else was still around, I guess at that point, I mean, I, I, Dimitri Goodson, I think is finally gone. Um, but I don't even remember, uh, Herb Waters, I guess. Herb Waters. Um, who else? Oh, uh, McKinton Dorlian? Is he still around? <laughs> Did I uh, make that up? No, he's gone, I think. Dimitri Goodson's no, who, still a Packer, who was, though. Who was there at the end of the last season? There was another... Uh, oh, uh, Donatello Brown? Was it Donatello Brown? <laughs> I don't but there know. Was like another, there was another undrafted corner, I think, that was just hanging around. And to go from that to like two of the probably top four cornerback prospects that all could have like plausibly been top 20 picks... Um, and to pick up a first rounder next year is it is there's no world in which that's not like an amazing start to a draft. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we we a few weeks ago on this very podcast were wondering who the bleep is going to play corner on this team, and Gutekunst answers that twofold here. So uh, I was very happy with it. I mean, we'll see we'll see if three games into the season, if everybody's like, oh my god, they're rookies, like you know, which is usually what happens when we spend two picks on a corner on corners right away um but we'll see you know um you know it might take them a little time but that's okay moving onward to the third round with the 88th overall pick the Packers selected Oren Burks linebacker from Vanderbilt yeah they traded up for him and um this is a guy who I heard grades uh, ranging from third round all the way to fifth round he's definitely a project guy he was on McGinn's top 100 though um, mm-hmm. is as far as I can tell is regarded as a plus athlete who uh, he can cover he closes on the ball carrier on the perimeter he'll get bodied by NFL players though he's got to bulk up a bit um, so again he's a project guy but a guy who the Packers clearly like they went after him they think he has a high ceiling uh, do you agree with that overall assessment 
I think that I he's not some he's another one of those guys that I wasn't really looking at coming in. Um, it's an interesting pick because I think that it shows that they want Josh Jones to play safety and not you know as a box player, yes. which isn't exactly what I thought was the plan coming into this season. I've seen people say that he is Joe Thomas on steroids. <laughs> it's kind of like a stretch. Actually, um, on steroids or. No, 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 but like Joe Thomas plus, yeah, I know, like a cover, a cover in uh, off the ball linebacker. I just want to be, I just want to be sure. You got to be careful with that word. Yeah, right yeah. So he, uh, I look at the names around after him. I don't see anybody I really wanted except for the pick immediately after the Joe Notaboom pick yeah. to uh, the Rams. And that was a guy that Justice had talked about on the pod. Yeah, and I'm a little surprised that they didn't. And Ian Thomas, I guess, came shortly after. Keke Kute could have been a good pick. A good um, name. Great name. Nick Nelson came shortly after that for the Raiders. Could have been a good pick, but you know they just spent two two picks on corners. I don't think they were going to go back to that well. Yeah, I think. Oh wow, I didn't realize Chase Edmonds got picked as high as he did. Good yep. for him. Yeah. So do I? Like I honestly feel like I don't. It's more surprising from a schematic perspective than it is anything else. But it also is a sign that, I mean, he was really the point where you got the sense that they were only drafting, like, plus, plus, plus athletes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, his Spark X is something, he was, like, the worst athlete of the three, and he's still, like, 90, or no, was Jerron Moore was the worst athlete of, of the first four or something? But, like, they're all, like, above the 70th percentile of athletic profiles. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, it shows that they're going to stick with the kind of like hybrid nickel or the hybrid um, money backer type linebacker thing that they started doing last year to some mixed success. Uh, It shows that one of the reasons they let Morgan Burnett go is that they're confident that Josh Jones can play safety. Yeah. so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to trust them. I don't know. Um, but as far as Burke's a player, as, as, as he himself goes, I mean, I like, I like that he's woke, but uh, I, don't have, I don't have that much of an opinion on him as a player. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like having like, guys like that in the locker room. Uh, round four, as we move on, pick 133, a guy you just mentioned a moment ago, Jamon Moore. The Packers finally pick a wide receiver. Out of Missouri, he's a uh, regarded as a size and speed prospect, 6'3", 207 pounds. Um, he's a pretty fluid route runner, tracks the ball well, um, and is dangerous after the catch. Uh, he's a little bit raw, though. Has only worked one side of the field in college. What did you think of the Jamon Moore pick? Not my favorite. Um, I would say that the Jamon Moore pick and the... Um and the Burks picks are actually probably my least excited ones. Not that I think they're bad picks, but Jamon Moore, um, I think he's fine. I just don't see a ton there for the Packers to get excited about. Um, he's really good after the catch, which um, you know Philbin put a lot of emphasis on back when he was the OC. Yeah. So it's possible that that's where they were going with that. Um, but I don't think he is not the 
Packers uh, wide receiver prospect that I'm most excited about. And also just kind of sticking with this theme of looking at who had to get passed up for him to get drafted there. I do think that the Packers might have liked Jaleel Scott just the way, just based on the other guys they were taking who went immediately before. Hmm. Um, and then at the top of the next round, I'm curious if they wanted Shaq Griffin. I don't know. I wanted Shaq Griffin. I definitely did. Um, and Troy Fumagalli might have been a decent pick. I'm not that upset about missing out on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, shovel any dirt on on Jamon Moore. But I, I, I think, I mean, I guess. Again, it's hard to talk about. It's like talking about a cornerback without talking about the fact we took two. Um, this is kind of the dartboard part where they start throwing everything at, at wide receiver. Yep. And of those three, Jamon Moore, I think, has a lot of potential. But I'm not – like, he's not my favorite of those three picks. Yeah. He's older. He had a bit of a he – had, he had a slow 40, but apparently a much faster one at the, at the pro day. And he has good production later in college, but he's also older. He doesn't drive me crazy, and at and at that point in the draft, I was like starting to freak out a little that the Packers weren't going to have a real bona fide uh, wide receiver prospect. But you know, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with him. Anyway, sorry that was like a roundabout way to get to nowhere. But well, they also padded out that wide receiver room with a few more picks that we'll get to in a second. But heading into the fifth round with pick 138, we don't want to skip over anyone. Cole Madison, lineman from Washington. State Packers needed a lineman. He's a finesse guy who needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, doesn't play with good pad level. I really uh, miss Alex Patakis the most on this podcast when we talk about pad level because he can get a good McCarthy impression in there. But uh, he plays fast. He's a good move blocker. He's an effective screen blocker, which I think the which will will bode well for a career in Green Bay. Um, and uh, he's been successful at riding edge rushers around the perimeter of the pocket. Um, and again, all in all, you know, the Packers needed another body on the line and it seems like they got a, a guy that they can work with. How optimistic are you, Ben, that Cole Madison can be sort of that late round special for the Packers here in due time? So, I mean, Madison's actually an interesting pick, um, because he is more, I think, than Jared Glender. He is where the Packers actually broke with, um, what had been a pretty set in stone mold and what they looked for in offensive linemen. He is, he didn't test as well in the three cone as they, as their threshold usually wants. He also, uh, isn't, wasn't a blindside tackle in, in college, which is usually where they find value is taking left tackles from smaller schools and moving them around the line if necessary. I didn't check if his quarterback was left-handed, so maybe he was a blindside tackle, but I don't think he was. <laughs> and I think they've already been pretty clear that they see they see uh, that themselves moving him to guard, yeah. which makes me think that Kyle Murphy is probably in line to start at right tackle if Bulaga is not ready to go. Um, and 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 Justin McRae is still around too, so. Uh, I think it's a good pick. I think it's good value. Uh, we'll see if they regret breaking the mold on the offensive line, though. Um, just on the on the physical testing stuff.
Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Wait a second. Wait a second. Descending upon us mid-podcast. Rush playing him on. Evan Tex Western, our corporate overlord, the big boss himself. Hey, Tex, how are you? Oh, man. It's been a whirlwind of a weekend, man. This is, it's been a little nuts, but uh, doing and, well. Doing and the well. parrot, the parrot didn't even talk, man. Oh, Come on, I know. So, <laughs> well, we had the whole thing on Twitter ye- yesterday when that was going on. Like, I was, I had read the press con- or the press release a day or two earlier that said that the parrot was going to deliver the pick, and I always thought that it was just going to like fly in carrying an envelope with the name inside of it, and that somebody was going to read it off. I, heard I never talking. thought that. Yeah, I, I, I misinterpreted it, or. or even so, it seemed pretty uh, uncooperative yesterday. <laughs> uh, well, Tex, so, you have fortuitous timing as you, you drop in as we just get ready to break down the, the most puzzling pick of the draft. We are already in round five. and um, I know where this is going. Pick 172, man, J.K. Scott. I thought they were J.K.ing, but they weren't. They were picking a punter from Alabama. I wasn't expecting a punter at all, and I was honestly perplexed at this pick. But I got to say, uh, Tex, I watched some highlights and uh, my word, if J.K. Scott doesn't have a cannon for a leg, and I think he's an instant upgrade. What What do you think? Oh boy, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty pretty big college football fan, and when it comes to watching, you know, the playoff games and everything, we, you know, I I, I always watch all those games. And there was one playoff game, and I can't remember if it was um, if it was against Clemson this past year or if it was maybe last year, but I swear he had like five punts in a row that we're down to the one yard line. Um, it, it's, it's, he's, he's huge too. He's what, like six foot six, um, six, five. I think he doesn't yeah. leave the ground when he punts either, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Yeah. It's, it's uh, nuts. Yeah. And, and you look at his numbers and I mean, his, he's, he's great on kickoffs. He's great on dropping punts inside the 20. Um, his hang time is his hang, absurd. It's insane. So, you know, I, I, I get it from the standpoint of in the fifth round and, and later you're kind of in the funny money picks anyway. Um, and, and you can afford to take some flyers, but you know, that, that was certainly the last position that I thought that, that Gutekunst would go just because Vogel had such a good first year for the most part. Um, you know, a little bit of inconsistency, but I mean, the guy set the, the Packers single season net punting record last yeah. year. Um, that record was made to be broken. (laughs) Your job's never safe. That's right. Well, and you know, the, the other great thing about JK Scott is his family has a a summer house up in Hayward, Wisconsin. So like they're, they're Packers fans. They, he said he he spends three months a year um, up in Wisconsin anyway. So it was almost fortuitous from that aspect too. I I, like, I, I I was shocked when this pick came out, but I'm pretty into it now. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you, like, you definitely texted me something along the lines of WTF, a punter. <laughs> JK, I mean, LOL. Yeah, no, JK, LOL was, was uh, 
definitely the reaction. But, you know, like, then I watched him punt an 80-yarder or something yeah. against Ohio State. Yeah. It was just like, all right, like, I'm into this. Okay. And also, I mean, I do think that the kind of, like, pairing him with the pick of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is, like, literally Jeff Janis 2.0, um, in that he's a, you know, big physical freak from a small school, um, should be able to provide what Jeff Janis did as a gunner if he never pans out as a wide receiver. I mean, like, to me, those those two picks, like, act in, in, in relation to one another, right? Like, you basically just replaced Jeff Janis, and you gave a hang-time weapon that if you if you think back to the last couple seasons and every punt you have Jeff Janis standing in the face, staring in the face of whoever's about to try and catch it on the other team, um, you basically just replace that whole thing. Yeah. That whole battery. And ben, Somebody really should have written an article about Valdis Scantling potentially being a Jeff Janis replacement before the draft. Oh, oh wait. Somebody did. <laughs> yeah. I mean when he when he got when he got drafted, I literally wrote, <laughs> you know, Janis two point Yep. Um, uh, 6'4", a really long strider with a noteworthy second gear in the open field. He had poor quarterback play in college, but um, gobbled up yards, made a lot of big plays. I think I saw something like a quarter of his receptions went for over 25 yards. Yeah. Um, but like Janice, needs to <laughs> improve his route running for putting it nicely um, and catches with his body too much. It really does seem like a note-for-note note match. And he's got he's got the highest freak score in the whole shebang, uh, and the freak score is like a Rotoviz um, index that indexes height, weight, and forty time, and so he's like the the heaviest, fastest forty with height. Um, well, and he he ran basically the same forty as Jair Alexander, but at six yeah. four and like two oh eight or something. <laughs> what? Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he's like okay. he's. he's He's got serious potential to be, and just to just to set the, the baseline, um, the freakiest, the freak score index. I think a hundred is um, Calvin Johnson, and the the highest freak score in the NFL right now is Julio Jones, who I think has eighty four, and I'm pretty sure. So Scantling was the highest in this class at seventy four. I think was his freak score. Yeah. Well, uh, Tex, you mentioned funny money before, and I think once you hit round six, you, you're, you're really getting into the funny money. But um, yes. Equinemius St. Brown, I think, was yes. not a guy that many people uh, expected to still be there at 207, I feel like, unless I'm mistaken. Wide receiver from Notre Dame. Now, this guy is 6'5". Um, also a really smooth runner, kind of an effortless glide, good footwork, uh, not afraid of traffic in the middle of the field. Um, what do you think of this pick? It sounds like you're pretty excited. I, you can go back and look at my Twitter account. I was asking for him with the Jim on Moore pick. I, I was asking for him at the end of round four. And to get him at the end of round six, even though you had just taken two receivers in the, the four picks before that, is absurd. Um, I think you know, his, his numbers dropped off a lot between his uh, sophomore and junior years. But a lot of the reason for that was his quarterback play. Um, you mentioned it with Valdez Scantling. He, he had some rough quarterback play, but um, St. Brown had some, some really good quarterback play his sophomore year when he had almost a thousand yards. And then that dropped off to uh, 
Brandon Wimbush or, or somebody this last year who who was not nearly the quarterback that uh, his new and old teammate Deshaun Kaiser was the year before, um, and so that I think is a big reason for his drop off um, from from year two to year three, and and I think you know yeah he he brings every physical quality that you could look for as well, um, and and I think he's a more polished receiver than than Valdez Scantling for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I am thrilled about the pick. If frankly, if you're asking me to bet on which of these three receivers is going to pan out, I would put more money, my money on St. Brown over either of the other two, uh, just based on what I've seen from, from him. I, I think St. Brown's probably my favorite pick in the draft, other than maybe Josh Jackson at this point, just in terms of like combination of value for prospects. Um, St. Brown to me is he's got the things that Jamon Moore doesn't or the, the same things that I hold against Jermon Moore, namely being old, is like Equinemia St. Brown is 21. Um, I think, yeah, he's like 21 in a couple months. Um, he could have two NFL seasons under his belt by the time he's Calvin Ridley's age. The comparison that struck me, like as soon as I drafted him, and I, I it was kind of rolling around in my head before, but once I started actually like running the numbers by one another, is he is basically he has a really good chance of being Tyrell Williams on the mm-hmm. Chargers. And Tyrell Williams, I think, doesn't get enough credit as being like a really good wide receiver because he's on a team with multiple pretty good wide receivers, including Keenan Allen, who's probably maybe the best route runner in the NFL right now. Stephon Diggs is, is up there too, but um, so Keenan Allen's like a technician, right? Like you know, he's not super fast, but he's he's super savvy. He moves his body really well. Um, Tyrell Williams is basically the same physical profile as Equinemius St. Brown. He's about six foot three, six foot four. They both ran about a four, uh, four, four and a half, 40, I think. And they both have a lot of success on the same type of routes, right? Like, uh, crossing routes, some slants and deep routes. And so really I think, and, and so, and anyway, for people who don't watch the AFC West or play fantasy or whatever, Tyrell Williams had a thousand yard season last year when Keenan Allen went down and not, not through being like an amazing route runner or anything like that, just by being like a good physical specimen who could get open on slants and make things happen after the catch. And I think Equinemia St. Brown, like is perfectly poised to be the same thing. He's got nothing but time. He's like, as I said, he's like not much older than 21 and you know, he's a six round pick. Like the expectations, any, any value out of a six round pick is good, but to, to have a potential like wide receiver two out of it is, is really good. Yeah. There's, there's two things about St. Brown that, that I'd like to mention before we get off of him. One is the family factor. Um, his, his two brothers are both like five-star recruits. One of them is, I think at Stanford. The other one is a senior or is going to be a senior in high school next year. I think his dad is two time Mr. Universe, John Brown. And his mother <laughs> is from Germany and like is, is this is a fashion designer who taught all of her kids fluency in English, French, and German. Um, there, there's no question. This guy's going to be able to pick up the playbook. Um, and, and he's certainly got all the athletic ability, uh, in, in the world. Um, the, the comparison that people have made with the St. Brown family is the ball family, except without the brashness and just general jerkiness <laughs> or, or attention seeking. So that, that's, it's just an interesting, um, dynamic that's there. It does the seem other- like that, that might've hurt his draft stock too. It, um, it like, very well may have, you know, oh, yeah, he's a thinker. It, yeah. 
Don't want that. Yeah, it's just an example of, of the NFL being kind of, you know, like the Cardinals just got Josh Rosen, who's probably QB1 because the NFL can't pull its head out of its ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if we got Equinemius Brown at 207 because people were worried that he could speak French and German and, you know, potentially be able to have aspirations off the football field, like, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, crazy. I agree. Yep. All right, guys, we are running a little short on time. So uh, we're in the seventh round here. I'm just going to skip over. Um, Hunter Bradley, long snapper, Mississippi State. Uh, we needed a long snapper. This is this is a, a fine pickup. But uh, before that, at pick 232, picking up James Looney, defensive end from California. Um, likewise, a smart guy with good football instincts. Um, uh, perhaps most notably, though, some killer sideshow Bob Hair. Uh, <laughs> Tech's a quick player with decent spin move. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, I like Looney a lot. Um, I've got a couple of friends who are um, pretty big Cal fans, and they had nothing but positive things to say about him. Um, I th- another thing there to keep in mind is he fits the the Packers' athletic trends on the defensive line. So it yeah. was it was definitely not a surprise to me. He was on our on our draft board projection, um, you know, sometime late on day three. So um, I think he's he's a little on the lighter side. I think he's about two ninety, six foot three ish. So he'll probably play the five tech. I would I would imagine. Um, you know, just provide some some insurance behind Mo Wilkerson and Dean Lowry is is kind of what I see him doing that and then playing a little bit of special teams here and there, at least to start. And Ben, uh, the last pick at 248, Kendall Donerson, uh, an edge player uh, from Southeast Missouri State. Now, he wasn't at the combine, uh, but we are assured that he would have tested at, as an elite athlete had he been there. Good lateral movement. Loose hips, but he doesn't play very fast. Do you know anything about Donerson? I mean, I don't know anything about him except that he's a physical freak. And that if I had to pick one word to describe the draft, uh, you know, we can be confident that they care about athletic profile above yeah. all else at the moment. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning with Donerson, too, is, um, yeah, he absolutely fits the trends, and he did have a meeting with the Packers before the draft, too. So um, not a huge surprise that they would make him one of their or their final pick of the draft. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, come back to, to you guys uh, later on in the week, maybe, um, and we'll cover the, the undrafted guys that came in, but that'll put a cap on the, the draft recap itself. Um, I, I don't like to do a grade necessarily, like right after the draft. I think that is very, very stupid and frivolous. But Tex, what is your gut feeling about this? I'll say that. I'll make it a little more general. What's your gut feeling after this draft? You feel good about it? Yeah, in, in general, if we're talking like thumbs up, thumbs down, I'm I'm giving this a thumbs up. I think the um, the way that that Gutekinds got that extra first round pick for next year um, was was a shrewd way to go. Um, the more we learn about Jair Alexander, the more I like that pick and his fit in Green Bay. Great value with Jackson, and then um, you know some really exciting, interesting prospects on day three. That I think again, I mean, if one of those wide receivers pans out. You know, that's that's a win for for this team in this draft class. So um, I like it. I think you got some some impact players and you addressed a few key positions of need. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot other than, you know, again, waiting until round seven for for an edge rusher. But, um, you know, you got Vince Gilbert or Vince Beagle and, and Reggie Gilbert coming in to uh, hopefully um, pick up some of the, the slack from from that that aspect so yeah thumbs up from me yeah ben what about you thumbs up thumbs down gut feeling after the draft uh i would give it a big thumbs up the one um 
I think I would have felt less good about it had they not come away with Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. But that was really kind of the feeling. When they made that pick, I was like, all right, everything's fine in the world. Um, before that, I was worried that they weren't coming away with a wide receiver prospect or a tight end prospect that I felt very good about. Um, but that one really, really kind of, once you, once you got, once you got the, the trade back, the, the pickup of the first next year, the Josh Jackson in the second, I mean, all that's great. Um, but I was a little worried that they were going to come away with an empty cupboard at wide receiver. Yeah. And now I feel much better about that, especially with Equinemia St. Brown. Agreed. One last question before I let you guys go. Uh, really, maybe more of just an observation I, I want your take on. But it seems like, so in, in years past, you've know, been following the football in the draft for like 20 years, and there's, there's, there's always a few GMs that just, there's a consensus that they've blown it, that they've just, they've just been a goober and just messed up the draft. And I don't, I feel like, Every basically every team, I don't know. Maybe the Raiders are, are getting a bad rap. That that I just feel like every team is like did pretty well for themselves. I don't know, Tex. What do you think? Yeah, there there really aren't a whole lot of of teams that really stuck out at me uh, as being losers from the draft, so to speak. Um, I, I know a lot of people were kind of harping on the Browns for, for what they did in the first round. But um, I, you guys know, I mean, and, and if you listen last week, I was really high on Denzel Ward. And so I can I can justify that pick in my head at, at number four. And fundamentally, if you if you like a guy like, like Baker Mayfield, then if he's your guy, then take him number one. The one team that I would say is, you know, had me really scratching my head was the Giants. And, and that's Dave Gettleman, who has talked about um, he doesn't want to hear about the value of a running back and and taking Saquon Barkley number two. And I think it's more just his his comments and his attitude yeah. after the draft that 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 really made me left me scratching my head like you know you really don't understand market economics, do yeah. you? <laughs> so that would be the one the one guy that that really kind of stood out to me. And and some of his other picks I thought were good. I like I, I think Will Hernandez was a great pick in the second round. That's the thing is um, I think it's on balance at the end of the draft that it, yeah. it actually came out pretty good for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, again, we can we can talk about the Barkley pick, but um, that would be the only real, you know, big thing that j- jumped out to me in a negative light. I, I thought the Giants, you know, I think Barkley was a mistake from any sort of value perspective, but I also think Barkley's going to be a fantastic player who's probably the best running back coming into the league in the last bunch of years. And there's been a bunch of really good running backs who came into the league. The team that I I think the Buffalo Bills are who everybody thinks the Browns are um, <laughs> as far as teams like not really understanding how this works. At least, I mean, the Browns have made the changes, you know. I think I think it's safe to say that the Browns are in pretty safe hands moving forward, at least until something terrible happens and they get rid of all the people they just hired. Say, if they can Sashi stick Browns, around for longer than two years, then maybe. Even in Sashi Brown's uh, hands, they were they were in good hands. Hugh Jackson, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Hugh yeah. Jackson is is not really who I would want to lead that team. But I also don't think that that's who they want to lead that team. No, I think um, he'll be gone after this year, regardless of what happens anyway. So exactly. I agree. So um, so I think the Browns are in pretty good hands moving forward. The Bills, you know, are the team that I see continually shooting themselves in the foot. Um, and this year was no different. They chased um, uh, Tyrod out of town for no reason. They made dumb trades last year. 
And then this year, they made a dumb trade to start off the first round of the draft and to take, you know, Josh Allen, who I think a lot of people would not be surprised to see fail. Um, especially if, you know, who's he competing with now? Nathan Peterman? Like yeah. what? Um, yeah. Which one of those guys is going to lead this 2-14 and 14 team this year? Um, so, yeah. So I think the Bills had a draft. And, and they got they ended up getting uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who I think is great. Yep. But it's not enough to make up for the fact that, in general, I think that team has no fucking clue what they're doing. That sounds like a, a nice point to end it on. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Tex, for uh, for dialing in late, rushing home from, from your dinner. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, bringing me on a little, a little behind. And, uh, yeah, excited to see you. came just in this... time for punters. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta get in for the special teamers. You know, so, so I'm excited little, to see what this class. Just a little punter nightcap to end your yeah, evening. Yeah. Right. Little, little punter talk. Punters are people too. Ben Foldy, thank <laughs> you as well. Uh, thank at, you. At Ben Foldy, at Tex Western, at Zach Rapport. Hey, follow our show at the APC Pod on Twitter, also on Instagram. For again, literally no reason, it's a vanity project. Um, follow us uh, as well. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, rather. Give us a rating. We've gotten a few new ratings here in the last few days. That is very helpful and appreciative. And my uh, bosom is swelled with pride. I have such a huge ego. Thank you for doing that. Um, we got new Packers in town. That concludes the draft. And um, we'll be back here, uh, if not this week, next week. We'll, we'll be talking more offseason stuff. There's a lot of undrafted free agents that have, have now come through the door. And uh, we will be here with info for you. Some guests were getting lined up. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned, Packer fans. The offseason is in full swing, and it's getting exciting. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.